Now, I'm not really a salad kind of guy. So if I'm going to have one, it's got to be big, robust, and really blokey. So I'm going to serve mine with some beef dripping dressing. To your right yard, brother. Beefy salad, tomatoes, loads of stuff like that, and hummus. Be nice if all teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Swaggering dandies. Hello and welcome to For the Hamlet. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that short little intro before the opening music. That was a thank you to Dulwich director Tom Cullen, who uh, I think he liked that on Twitter last week. And uh, it made me laugh uh, an incredible amount. And uh, we've played two West Country teams recently, so it felt rather fitting. Uh, Anyway, I am joined as ever by Hugo Greenhouse. Hello, Hugo. Hello. Hello. Yeah, it's good to be back again. Thank you for all the kind words about the uh, the first episode. It was um, very flattering, and um, we thought we would treat you again with uh, another episode of Fortnite on. Um, the games are coming thick and fast. Uh, as Ben said, we played two games in the West Country, but it was actually the third against uh, Slough that really uh, did me over, and I've not felt quite the same since. So excuse me if my, uh, my voice is a little weak this week, but um, on we go. How would you say you are out of 100% and what we're running on? Not fighting fit. Um, you know, the gaffers talked to the physio about putting some injections in me for, for this episode. I turned them down. I'm not that sort of guy, but I was probably running on about 60 this week, Ben. I think, we, I think you've recorded episode worse. I think I, we both have. <laughs> I think we probably have, and I think we probably will again. But um, <laughs> yeah, let's see. let's see how it goes. I have faith. Uh, so for this episode, listeners, we are mainly going to focus on those um, three aforementioned recent games. Uh, we had Bath City away, then we had Gloucester City at home, and most recently this week we had Slough away on Bank Holiday Monday. Um, so without further ado, um, Hugo and I are going to dive into the uh, <coughs> Bath City Highlights. We'll be back in a second with some thoughts. Here goes Cook tussling with the defender, Clunis. Don Vos. Into Clunis. It's one on one. Clunis, 1 0 Dulwich. Just as he did on Monday night, Nyron Clunis gives Dulwich the lead. He is introducing himself to this level in fine style. Second start, second goal. And last season's top scorer gives Dulwich the lead in the eighth minute. He's got four forward at the moment, just to the edge of the area. It's becoming five now with Rig making a late charge. Riggs are marked in there, you know. And it's found him at the far post. Pulls it back. 1-1. Dulwich defended that so poorly. No one had picked up the run of Sean Rig, And he pulled it back across goal for Ryan Brunt to volley home from close range. And the home side have pressed well since the start of the second half. And they draw level. It's terrible defending from the Hamlet. Still on the ball again, sends in the cross. Good ball in, Papo volleys down to Cargbo. Scuff shot from Bull. Bull gets another chance. Got to be, it is. It was coming and Ryan Brunt has his second goal. Dulwich again with some really poor defending. And Bath City have turned this game around. So Hugo, uh, two goals to one. Dulwich lost. Um, we ended up going in front after, I think it was four or five minutes with uh, Nyron's finish. And then... Uh, Two very, very poor goals to concede uh, in the second half. What are your thoughts? It was a very frustrating game. I mean, I thought, um, couldn't really believe our our good fortune when we took the lead so early. I uh, hadn't even made my way around to the goal at that point. I was still, um, I was still chatting away with uh, Jack McEnroe on the sideline. I think I was still blowing up that fucking palm tree. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, we'd hardly even found our flow <laughs> off the pitch, but, uh, the, the players seem to have found it on it quite quickly. And another goal for Nairon, um, 
that that off comes off the back of a great goal against Chelmsford. He, he he's clearly um, stepped up to this level. He's starting games quickly as well because he scored against Chelmsford within the first three minutes, I think. Yeah, and what minute was this goal? It was within the first ten, it was wasn't definitely, it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a great way to start. Um, we kept up the momentum in in that first half. I have a vague memory of, of Preston making quite a big save in that first half, but you know it's coming coming at half time one up. That that was a lead we should be protecting. I think, and somebody said this online the other day. That first half against Bath, that apart from Chelsea, that's the best I've seen us play. Yeah, because because Bath are no mugs. They've been at, at this level for a, a while. Well supported club, um, and that that is a, a ground that they've clearly made their own. Um, a wonderful ground it is, Twerton Park, um, and great, great to go there as a supporter. But this makes it all the most, more frustrating when when you see the team make, making silly mistakes, and um, you you can almost just sense this palpable fear that when the opposition win a free kick, no one really knows what they're doing. And I don't know if this comes back to the fact of not having a consistent back line, but no one seems to know what their position is. It's simple things, isn't it? Like that, that equaliser was from a free kick about 10 or 15 yards inside our half. And Tom Bell says it in the commentary. He says, this guy free at the back post from when the kick is taken. The ball isn't even in the air, like, and he's become free. He is free as it's taken. It's played to him. He knocks it across and it's side-footed into the back of the net. And it's just like, how is he not being marked? Like it, so no marking? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a cliche, but it is schoolboy. Like, yeah, there's one of the first things you learn is pick up your man at a set piece. Exactly. That's why it's so frustrating. And and if someone isn't picking him up, who's who's there? Who's stepping up and saying get on your man? Yeah. Um, which is in- interesting, actually. It's Clearly, no one will come to because we have actually signed a new player at the back since since the Bath game. But yeah, just just very very frustrating because. You know, we only get to play both of their ground once, and to to go one 0 up is is just a bit galling, isn't it? Because because that was a real opportunity missed. Um, yeah. Anything else to add, or should we sort of gather to say on the matter? Well, just just the the winner as well was um, probably even worse than the equaliser. We had there were two passages of play. The first passage we had two or three chances to clear it, and we cleared it. So about 25 yards out. Then it came back towards the goal and we had another four chances to clear it. Nobody connected with the ball properly. Um, the defence was all over the place and then it was slammed home from inside the six-yard box. Preston didn't have a chance. And in a way, as I say, that was a worse goal to concede and it was actually quite embarrassing. It was a goal that you know a team might have conceded in the Isthmian Division 1 South or something, as it used to be. It, you know, it, it, it wasn't... A goal which you'd expect to see in the in the conference south, um, and so for that to be the winner, and for that to be a goal that we seem to be susceptible to conceding at the moment is very worrying. Um, and it was it was particularly worrying for Gavin. So here are Gavin's thoughts as he speaks to Tom Bale uh, post game in Bath. Away from home to a, a good team. Uh, I'm not sure how many losses they've had. I don't think they've had many losses this season. Hard to come down here. We played really well from the start, um, and then we just went off the gas in the second, in the first half. Uh, maybe 35 minutes in, uh, stopped doing the right thing. Stopped passing the ball. Um, didn't press the ball. Uh, was quite, quite lethargic and mentally, mentally, uh, mentally weak, really, in my opinion. Um, and then the second half, I didn't get much better. Did you see the warning signs towards the end of the first half? They had a couple of chances right on the stroke of half time. I'm sure you must have said something at the break just to liven up to it. Yeah, 100%. Um, but unfortunately, uh, for me uh, and Junior, we have to assess who we've got in our change room now um, because when we're telling them what we can see, we need players to respond, uh, not to defend themselves. And we had players defending themselves and then going out in the second half and doing worse than they did in the first half. So um, we're not going to sort of stay here all season uh, and battle battle people. Our job is we're paid to make uh, observations and try and change them and, and then players are paid to listen to what we're asking them to do and change that and they didn't do that today. 
Obviously, no goal conceded is a good goal to concede, but the two we conceded today, the first one, I know you were very angry because the man at the far post was free. There was, he'd made a late run and no one picked him up. And then the second one was, again, two uh, players failing to clear their lines effectively. The first goal has been pretty similar as all the goals we've conceded in terms of the, the, the free kick shouldn't be given away. The players with his back to goal on the halfway line or just over the halfway line, uh, Papel has basically been lazy. He's gone through the guy, given away a free kick. Puts them in the ascendancy, they can now throw eight or so bodies forward um, for a ball that we have to now defend. We then switch off, no one takes responsibility in terms of making sure we've got a man each. Um, and then they go and basically score. So literally it comes out of the blue. Um, we actually was on the ascendancy. We then are lazy. We don't listen to what's been said beforehand in terms of the amount of times we've given away silly, needless free kicks and then conceded off a needless free kick. We go and do the same thing, which shows a lack of uh, <coughs> respect to what we're telling them and, and ignorance as well to the group. Um, and then again, the second goal, like you say, Again, should have been cleared two or three times. Um, you know, giving, just giving people opportunities to score. If we want to be, you know, a team in this league that people respect, we can't give away goals like that. Uh, and for me, I'm not, I'm not used to, uh, to to losing games in that fashion. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to continue losing games in that fashion. If players are not going to start improving, then they have to go. Um, it's not, it's not something that. Um, that I enjoy saying or, or, or doing, but at the end of the day, there's been a lot of hard work at this football club for many years, but in, in most importantly in the last year, and we, we can't have players coming in and, and playing as if, if winning or losing doesn't matter. For me, there's a, you know, we're, we're doing the same things, nothing's not changing, we can't continue to, to make the same mistakes, and you know, uh, how long does that last for? So, some incredibly strong words there from Gav. Um, following that defeat, uh, mentally weak, he labelled the players. He said that he and Caddy need to assess who's in the dressing room. He said they're not going to battle players, uh, and by that, you know, he means that he's he's not going to spend the season arguing with players. Either they listen to the instructions that they are being given, or they go. He called uh, Daniel Papo lazy, so he called the player out personally. Uh, he said no one took responsibility for marking for that first goal. And then he said the second goal isn't the type of goal which should be conceded at, at this level. And he said that if players don't improve, then they have to go. Um, a pretty punchy analysis from Gav there. Absolutely. Some, some really strong, strong words. A, a proper dressing down that you can only imagine was, uh, was repeated um, face-to-face in, in the dressing room. Um, after the game, yeah, some 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 of those phrases really stand out. I think mentally weak, a lack of respect for what him and him and Junior are trying to do with the team. Actually, <clears throat> I, was, I was reminded a bit of um, almost a sort of Brian Clough interview. It was very it was very punchy, and I think this idea that if players aren't there to learn and to follow instructions, which they're all capable of, these are experienced guys. And what are they being paid for? Um, personally, you know, I, I I don't ever like to be too hard on on the players um, because at the end of the day, they're the ones wearing the shirt. But I think Gab is absolutely right that if they're not going to follow instructions, there is no point. And um, it's clearly so frustrating when they're being told certain things, simple things that that they aren't they aren't living up to. Yeah, and I think it and. Um it was particularly frustrating to hear as listening to Gav's comments as a fan because the huge amount of work that him and Caddy and the whole management team and players have put in over the last couple of seasons to get the club to where it is now, it's incredibly frustrating to then hear that players who are now in that dressing room are ignoring that expertise and the experience that everyone has gained. They are ignoring instructions and thinking that they know better. And that is really frustrating when, you know, as I say, for the past couple of years, players have listened to the management team and it's got us up into the Conference South eventually. And then you have, you know, he, he named Papo as, as making a mistake on the pitch. We don't know who is who made any comments in the dressing room afterwards, but I think, do you have to assume that it's the new signings? Yeah, it does sound like... Um... 
there's a bit of a division in the camp at the moment, or at least there was after that Bath game, because, yeah, it is it is sad when you have players like Clunas and Carew and Green and Preston Edwards, who, who've all been there and played countless games for the club, and seems like these new guys have come in and, and, and are acting as if they, they know bigger and better. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, and that meant that we went into the following game at home against Gloucester City, really hoping for an upturning form, hoping that those words from Gav were heeded by the players that they related to. Um and Gloucester City weren't um, on a particularly good run of form themselves. Um, so they arrived at Imperial Fields in Mitcham, uh, I imagine expecting a relatively tough game against Dulwich, and we were hoping for, uh, for a return to form. Uh, so anyway, without further ado, here is uh, Mr. Tom Baird again, and uh, we'll be back in a few short minutes. Oh, we've got Zach and Yemi. It's made a good run here into the right channel, coming into the area now, and going for goal the near post. They're bending in, Matty Yates with a low save dive into his left. Dulwich have begun well here. Clunas' Abraham's on the overlap. Sends it in, Akinyemi's there! Couldn't get the touch, six yards out. Had got in front of his marker, he may well have just got a little flick on it. Akinyemi. Great ball the outside of his boot, Abraham's is forward again. Sends in the cross, it's over, Akinyemi coming in around the back and heads it on and just wide of the far post. Vos has released Clunas down the left, taking Williams with him. Abraham's behind him, goes inside to Vos. Will he go for goal? Perhaps Don Vos. Good save by Yates, and the rebound wouldn't fall for Akinyemi. Avery with an important touch, but Akinyemi has the ball back under his control. Very decent first half performance from Akinyemi so far. Cargbo. Nice hit by Vos. Akinyemi's one on one. Oh, he's dragged his shot. What a flick by Don Vos. That is so clever. Akinyemi's shot did deflect away for a uh, corner kick. Pace kept away from Cargbo and Edge looking to release Seymour. It's his first touch like not bad. Gets to the byline, pulls it back. Oh, what a save by Edwards onto the crossbar. That's outstanding reactions from Preston Edwards. I think it might have been uh, Joe Hanks who'd got the little touch on it. Closer on his head, it's Seymour. Edwards again with the save, that was for Smurden. He missed it and put it over the crossbar was Joe Parker. Edwards with a low save, put it back into the danger zone. Two chances in 20 seconds for the visitors. And they could easily have had a half-time lead here. It was a tame shot from Seymour, the second one, which Edwards put back into the penalty area. Terrible waste from Parker, though. And here's Matt Lydiard sending that along. Seymour, second best against Papo hit. Papo couldn't play it back to Edwards, though. Seemingly had just the easy job of playing a ball back to Edwards, he missed it completely and it's come off his chest and gone for a corner. Anyway, side have their first corner of the game. Swung in from the far side. Edwards doesn't get a touch, it's gone in. I think it's an own goal. No one's really claimed it for Gloucester. Edwards came to punch the corner, got it horribly wrong. It may well have flicked off him and gone in. Control just got away from him and Williams clears. Taylor and Kamara going each other's way and the ball's rolled to Seymour as a result. And he can tee up Joe Parker who's into the area. Parker for two, saved by the leg of Edwards. Another defensive error from Dulwich Hamlet and nearly it's been punished again. Smurdage outside the area, lines up the shots and what a save that is, strong fist. Edwards, that is a really good stop. Inside in the area, on it comes to Vose. So the byline hasn't crossed. Held up by the defender. Rolls it through his legs. Donvos! So close to a genius equaliser. Nutmeg the defender. And then from a tight angle, tried to curl one into the far corner. Would have been some goal. Taylor. Clunis. Chipped inside. Vos, well controlled. Lovely flick against Jamie Edge. That's a good ball. And this time Cook is in. Cook for 1-1. One -one. Yeah, he's got the touch. It's a goal kick. Edwards finds Tomlin downfield. He's got well, Tomlin fires it in and it's straight at Yates in the end. Well, we heard there how one-sided that game was. Um, bar a couple of defensive 
howlers from Dulwich, one of which was capitalised on. Um, it was it was one way traffic, wasn't it? And you you wonder like, are we are we not being clinical enough? <laughs> Clearly not. Yeah, I mean, right right from the start of that game, uh, as Bale said in the commentary, Dipper had a really strong first half. Uh, he was holding the ball up really well, bringing other players into play, uh, getting in the right areas. Unfortunately, couldn't finish a couple of big chances. There was a header from across from about six yards out, which he couldn't connect with properly. And then he, he slid one quite far wide after being played through one-on-one. Um, so he was, he was incredibly dangerous, but it was no, he, he couldn't finish anything. Um, and what, what stood through in that first half and the whole game really was how good uh, Dominic Vose is. Um, outrageously uh, labelled Dom Voss by you the other week, which would mean that we've got Danny Ross playing left back for Spurs. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ride out Dom Voss. Um, it is Dom Voss though, we can confirm, can we? Yeah. Okay. You can confirm by <laughs> yeah. your uh, your appreciation of the uh, English alphabet. Um, yeah, no, what, what, a player. what a player! Really, really classy. I think we we were trying to work it out, but he he's more or less played every minute since he came on in the second half against Welling. Um, we we hear as well that he didn't have a full preseason, didn't have a preseason, so he's basically playing through to fitness now, and. If he's kind of reaching those sort of levels at the moment, just to wonder how, how much longer we can keep hold of him because he's an incredibly useful player. Um, I think, interestingly, while they have quite a similar skill set of just being very, very good on the ball, him and Carew are actually a really nice partnership together and, we, and we're very creative with them both on the pitch, which they've, they've shared a lot of game time together. So there's definitely some sort of... Um, mental partnership starting to, to work itself out too, which you would expect from two players of such quality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and as you just heard, there was that moment from um, Dom in the second half where this is, this is a bit of a, uh, a left-field reference, but there was a game for Man United when Ruud van Nistelrooy was at his peak and they were playing away at Basel in the Champions League and he got the ball basically on the touchline as in in line with a, with the posts, and he nutmegged a player, beat another one, and then slammed it into the far top corner from the acutest of angles. And Don Vos's chance in that second half was quite like that. He went to cross it, slipped it through a player's legs, and then tried to bend it in the far top corner, and it only went about three or four yards wide. Um, and it, that is the quality that he's bringing to every game. Yeah. Also reminded me of a Andre Arshavin goal for Arsenal against Blackburn Rovers, where he also has it on that same far touchline, does a step over to beat a man and then actually hits it in the top corner. A game after which I bought a t-shirt with Oshman's face on it saying, I am Guna. Um, I, I I long for the day when I can buy a shirt with Don Voss's face on it saying, I am Hamlet, but uh, we'll see We'll see if that one ever gets, uh, ever gets manufactured. Uh, anyway, we, back we, to this defensive shambles. That yeah, we, we've, uh... we unfortunately we can't talk about this game without talking about uh, Preston's first real big error for a long time, where Gloucester had their first corner uh, early in the second half, and he came for it and he went to punch it, but it skimmed off his fists and ended up in the back of an empty net. Um, and it's one of those ones at the time where you know how bad it is and then you see the reaction of the players and you really know how bad it is and then you watch the highlights and it just gets no better. Yeah, that that was actually the first time I could bear to watch it again just now and um, yeah, it doesn't make for pleasant viewing. Um, but why did Daniel Papo shepherd that ball out for a corner? I, I don't like... I, I think this is the issue, isn't it? The, there was no pressure on him. He could have played the ball back to Preston who would have gladly dealt with it. Um, at feet but uh, yeah it's just one of these moments like is it rustiness which is which is leading to a lack of concentration or is it a lack of ability I suppose yet we don't know because he's played he's barely played over the last three or four years Daniel Papa yeah looking at his recent career I, I, I don't know how many of our listeners will have done so but I think his last club was one in the Maldives where he didn't actually end up playing any games before that, he was at a Romanian club where he, he barely played either. He's 
really sort of dining out on a reputation that he earned when he was at the Chelsea youth team and being captain there under 19s to to the UEFA Youth Cup final a number of years ago and um, obviously very very highly rated um, at that point but it just seems like he hasn't played much first team football since and what we're, we're finding now is that you're coming up against players who have played at this level thereabouts might be slightly lower might be slightly higher but they've played a lot of first team football and Papo just doesn't have that and I think it's that naivety that is starting to show unfortunately I'm very sorry to say Somebody did make a good point though that um Michael Chambers, who is now considered the rock of our central defence, when he returned, what, probably about three years ago now, maybe two, maybe two years ago, he was very similar in that he was making similar mistakes. Every time he went near the ball, he would make the wrong decision. You didn't really have any confidence in him. And then very gradually, he kind of grew into it a bit more. Again, he hadn't really been playing regular football at that pace. He'd been playing in academy sides, or I think under 23 sides. Um, and and he, he, he turned into the player that he is now, which is our, probably our best centre-back. I have full confidence in him whenever he goes near the ball. Um, he makes the right decisions. So if Papo can take a leaf out of his book, and if it is a similar case of rustiness and getting up to speed, then we could have a hell of a player on our hands because he has all the right attributes and he clearly has the right pedigree. Injuries over the years have obviously affected both of these things. But, you know, if you're thinking, if you're thinking positively, then maybe we've got another Michael Chambers situation. So I think we just have to wait to find out. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, he, uh, he did get taken off in that game to bring on uh, Gavin Tomlin um, to really go for it. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's hope he can he can turn it around because you're right. It'd be uh, be a shame to to let that talent go to waste that he's clearly had at some point during his career. And of course, this was uh, the second defeat in a row after Bath, uh, leading to another quite difficult post-match interview for Gavin Rose with Tom Bale. Uh, so let's dive into that now and uh, hear what Gavin had to say. Um, it just gets to a point where you have to admit that. Um, one or two, I don't even think it's ignorance, I just think they're possibly not capable of doing what we're asking. Um, we are all human, we all have our limits, uh, me, me, myself included. Um, and I'm looking at, <clears throat> at what we're doing regularly now in six games and there's no change. Uh, so it's either I can get a change out of these guys or I move them on and get players who can do what I want them to do. And if I can't, then uh, maybe I can't do it. And again, the other end of the field, the team we're playing against much more streetwise than us and know how to defend in these situations seems that have been in this level a few years perhaps and, and know how to play in this level no not really um, we had enough chances to score again but we didn't um, I mean they camped in their half which is the right thing to do I think to play on the break first half and second half um, but at the same time we still enough chances to score so uh, I mean they wouldn't have said oh we had that under control no way did they have that under control you can tell by the type of a uh, <clears throat> type of talk that was coming from the bench and the type of talk that was coming on the pitch from them. They weren't in control. Uh, they, they defended it as well as they could have um, and credit to them for that but we still had opportunities to score goals and we should have. Again as the game sort of went to last 20 minutes the decision making in the final third the final pass wasn't wasn't there perhaps? Yeah too much emotion uh, not, not enough calm heads uh, just remembering what you've got to do and just sticking to, to what you've got to do um, try not to deviate from what we've got to do and unfortunately emotion sets in and then we start doing really stupid things and then it's hard to read hard for other uh, players to read what they're going to do next as well just because they're playing just off emotion only do you have to make changes do you think for monday is it wholesale changes going into the slough game or do you have to go with what we've got because of the injuries we've got at the moment as well yeah, we don't have wholesale changes to make um uh, coupled with a bad start um also we've got a really bad injury list um Tanisha has come back uh, it's his first game back after Welling and then he has to come off again so so far Tanisha has not completed a half of football in two games uh, Michael Chambers hasn't started the season uh, Quay's come back from an injury <clears throat> uh, Nathan Green I believe has probably played a, a game and a half of the season um, and they're all in the same sort of area um, and it doesn't help Magnus has got a, a groin uh, tear again in the same area of the pitch 
so it doesn't help. So if we want to make changes, uh, we're very limited in what we can do at the moment. Is it hard to keep the players positive after four defeats from the opening six, or uh, you find they're still being quite upbeat and, and ready to go again for each game? <laughs> We've got to make sure we keep ourselves positive at the moment. Um, you know, I think their job is to try and help us keep positive as well. Um, you know, not not to give in and to show that they want to, you know, make a difference. Uh, it's not always about us helping them. They need to help us as well to give them energy. Um, sometimes there was top points in that second half where I thought players felt sorry for themselves, gave up. Uh, you know, shoulders drooped. That's not the character that you need to do well. Um, so uh, it's quite hard for us to watch players actually giving up on the pitch. And it's quite difficult to watch. Um, for me, once the game's been played, you just give it all you've got. And at the end of it, whether you're good enough or not, at least you know you've given everything. But um, again, I think it's emotion. The fact that uh, maybe one or two things are not going our way um, and we're reacting off the emotion. Because we want to do well, they do want to do well. Um, but sometimes you need to have a steady head, calm head. <laughs> well, um... Blimey, players not capable of doing what we're asking them to. Uh, can I get the players to do what I want? Am I good enough to be able to do that? Gab is questioning his own ability and Caddy's ability to do that. Uh, it's not a case of us not being streetwise. We made loads of chances and that's an excuse. There was too much emotion, not enough calm heads that led us to do stupid things. Um, he then mentioned the long injury list, which is um, lengthy. Uh, and then he said that Never mind the players trying to keep positive, him and Caddy are trying to keep positive and it's up to the players, it's a two-way street, right? Um, and then finally, what, which, is, which is the feeling that I had in my mind as I left and then as I woke up on Sunday, after, after a few jars, um, was that I saw on the pitch players feeling sorry for themselves in that second half and actually giving up. Um, which I haven't seen. It's happened before in our time watching Dulwich, but I haven't seen it in a very long time. And I thought we were kind of past that now with the group of players that we had. Yeah, you, you said to me on the on the morning of the Slough game that it was um, it felt like the, the nadir of the season so far. And I think you're right. It was um, it was a pretty pitiful performance um, in a number of ways. Um, yeah, he he. Uh, he talked about not even being able to make wholesale changes because they don't even have enough fit players to do so. But it sounded like he certainly would have if it was possible. Um, and you know, I, I, I would actually quite like to credit someone while, while we're having this discussion, and that's Sanchez Ming, because I feel he's been asked to play in pretty much every position across the back line in several different formations and has never really looked too much of a liability. And that is something which I would have accused him of being last season. I, I, I didn't think his performances were that consistent for Dulwich last season, but he's someone who stepped up a bit this year. Obviously, feels the, the, the rise in expectations of playing in a higher division. And yeah, I don't know, I've, I've been impressed by him. But that being said, we, we should probably mention too that Michael Kamara was brought in um, by the 12th Man uh, Fund. Um, we'll probably go into a bit more about that. A little bit later on but this is a guy who was at Dulwich a few years ago uh, more of a utility man as much as anything but once scored a first half hat trick at home to Staines in the League Cup from, yeah, from, right, from back. right back um, a very popular player among uh, among the fans he's he's someone who likes to have a laugh but um, he, he actually takes his football pretty seriously I think it's worth remembering and well, he's been playing at this level for the last couple of years for Hampton and Richmond yeah and um, we, had, we had a bit of a chat with him after the game, actually, and he said, you know, that there are offers in, in the Ryman Prem to go, those were his words, Prem, um, to go back down, but he, he, he knows that he's capable of playing at this division, so he, he waited for the offer to come along. And I think, you know, he was at the playoff final, we saw him at a number of games earlier on in the season. It wasn't too much of a surprise when this was announced that he was returning. But um, it was interesting to see that he was given the armband for the first game back. And um, this is, I read this as a bit of a statement from the management as much as anything. That, um, you know, it says that loyalty matters and this is clearly one of their guys. Um, and, you know, he, Gavin and Junior probably need a leader on the pitch 
um, they need a mouthpiece on the on the pitch. And uh, Kamara is a, a loud, he's a vocal guy, and um, yeah, he looked a bit frustrated about people not necessarily knowing their roles yet. But equally, he's just coming to this team, and pretty much everyone is learning their roles as they go along. We've not been able to play the same back line two games in a row, it seems, through injuries or through tactical changes that obviously need to be made. I think it is very telling that um, in that interview just then, Gav said that um, there was too much emotion. People weren't keeping a calm head, leading to a lot of mistakes and wrong decisions. And a couple of days later, Michael Kamara comes in. I think he always... You know, he, he wasn't... Um, Totally free of errors or mistakes, but I think compared to some of the mistakes we've seen this season I th- and his experience at this level, I think he would be a player which wouldn't fall into that trap of starting to play and being fueled by emotion. I think he would keep level-headed and, and look at the game a bit more objectively and not get kind of caught up and swept up in it. Yeah, and what, did Cookie tweet something as well this week that um, he uh, he was pleased not to be on the receiving end of um, some of Kamara's tackles because... Um, He's a bit of a sort of bite your legs defender. Well, I actually said to a few mates when Kamara signed that uh, I'm pretty sure that on his first return with Hampton and Richmond to Champion Hill, he cleaned out Nyron uh, down the left wing at one point. Uh, almost broke Nyron in two, and I don't really remember him saying sorry, but uh, we won't mention that. Yeah, clearly some water under the bridge there. And um, yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, hopefully a popular and galvanising figure in, in the dressing room. And for now, he's going to be our captain, um, at least. So, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, then uh, it was Slough Town on the, on the Bank of Lillie Monday. Uh, we don't, unfortunately, have the dulcet tones of Tom Bale for this one, as the uh, DHFC TV highlights are, are yet to be published. They did a great job in getting out the Gloucester one so quickly. I imagine they're still... Beavering away on the Slough Town highlights. We did actually watch some of Slough Town's own highlights earlier, and I would have included the audio here, as we've done before, but it's such bad quality that I doubt you'd even be able to make out what's going on. So I'm afraid, Hugo, we're going to have to rely solely on the power of our minds. Yeah, um, probably worth an apology to the listeners ahead of that. But um, no, this this was... um, this was just a really good game of football. It was very entertaining. Um, not, not the sort of like Champions League quarterfinal level game where like you just have two really, really, really good teams. I thought it was quite similar. Yeah, some similarities. It it was basically just two teams who who wanted to play football on the deck, on the deck mostly. Yeah, and um, yeah, it it was it was good fun. A surprisingly fun bank holiday to spend in Slough. Um, as it turned out, um, we did um, we did go down first. Did concede um, to a goal from Luis Suarez. I want to say his name might be Luis Suarez, but Tom Suarez's brother. The uh, I remember signing him on Football Manager. Or was it Championship Manager back then? From Stoke, I think. Bit of a boy wonder. He's like, yeah, 19 or 20. And he's gradually, Tom Swords has gradually dropped down. He was at Berry, I think. So this is his brother, Louis. Yeah. And it was it was within the first minute of the second half. Because that first half, from memory, the way I saw it, Slough were on top for the first 20 or 25 minutes and looked quite good. And looked like they, again, they looked more at home on, on that artificial pitch than we did which tends to happen. Mm. Despite us t- training an awful lot on an artificial pitch, um, but then in the second half of that first half, I thought we looked better and we had a bit of pressure and we kind of settled into things without really looking too dangerous. So it was a relatively even first half. Um, and then I had actually treated myself to a pee in the gents just before the, the second half kicked off. And I ran back out because I thought something might happen. And as I ran back out, saw old Luis Suarez hurtling through on goal before rifling a finish across Preston into Preston's bottom right-hand corner of the net. It was one hell of a finish. But then when I watched the highlights back, because I, I missed the build-up play as I was making my way back, that should not have happened. Mm. Surely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so 
we lost the ball from kickoff uh, for the second half very quickly and suddenly seemed like we just had no midfield. Uh, it was cut open by one pass, another ball played through, your man Suarez bombs through and like you say, it was a great finish. He he, he had no right to be shooting from there really. He battered it. Yeah, but it was just the, the efficiency and the sloppiness which we've got to cut through and really exposed us um, that was is quite worrying. Um, that being said, um, it's probably worth saying too that um, Walter Figueroa, 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 yeah, some, somewhere in between. Um, Dominic Ross. <laughs> Walter um, started this game. Oh yeah, um, a player who really impressed in pre-season, scored a number of pretty um, memorable goals. He's clearly got an eye for it, um, but has yet to really kick on uh, in the first team so far. He started this game and looked pretty out of his depth, I would say. Um, I think it was more that... I don't, I don't know if... I think, personally, I think out of his depth might be a bit too strong. I think the way we were playing, or maybe the, he, maybe the way he was playing, in the context of our setup and our tactics, there was a mismatch. He, it seemed to me, and Tom Bell actually backed this up, I saw him make a comment online earlier, that he was basically ignoring instructions um, and kind of went into himself and kind of got quite defensive whenever um, Michael Kamara um, would say something to him or or instructions would be passed on to him from the bench. Um, and he didn't get much joy in that first half. No. And it, I remember I was stood next to... Oh, by the way, shout out um, Ben Coldercourt and Ollie Meads for being two hilarious legends at Dulwich. Oh, the Clown Brigade. Yeah, yeah, fair play to them. The Clown Brigade, yeah. Where I spent all of this game with them. I think Hugo did as well on, on the other side of me. Um, they've been coming to Dulwich much longer than we have. Um, and, yeah, for that, for that um, substitution when Walter got taken off, the board went up, and it was only two minutes before the end of the half, and I just thought... Can you, this, is, this is brutal. Can you not just take him off at half time? But no, Gavin was certain that he was coming off in the 43rd minute. He was that unhappy with him. And he had got a slight knock, like 90 seconds beforehand to his ankle. So he was limping very slightly. But he came off the pitch and he walked up the touchline to the dugout and uh, walked straight behind Gav. Gav didn't even acknowledge him. He sat on the bench, was. You know, as angry footballers have their want, you know, they rip off their tape, throw it to the ground, rip out their shin pads, throw them to the ground. Um, people were saying that he was injured and Tony Miller, the DHFC physio, did tend to him. I think maybe with some ice or something, but I wasn't buying it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones we'll, we'll, we'll probably never quite know, but it, it did have the air of perhaps that being his final game in a Dulwich shirt. Um, yeah. It just, I don't know. Yeah, just hasn't seemed to have gone his way since the season started. And Dippo came on in his place, and he was the man who who got the equaliser. Um, Cookie playing at, at wing back in this game um, was having quite a lot of joy down the right hand side. A couple of moments before the equaliser, he put in a brilliant ball that was cleared in, cleared out, and um, yeah put an identical ball moments later that uh, Dippo was able to head in. He's on a plate. Yeah, it was, it was actually interesting hearing the um, the post-match interview from one of Slough's two joint, well, one of Slough's two joint managers, <laughs> uh, which is an interesting setup. But um, yeah, he, he was saying that he used to be a centre-back and he could just tell that, that was one of those balls that is so hard to defend against. And um, yeah, it uh, hit, the, hit the back of the net. Dippo uh, did... One of his new trademark celebrations. Um, no um, smiling, no, no smiling. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's um, there's no funny business when Dippo scores. No. Um, but another big goal from him. Um, yeah. A man that we've we've relied relied on um, in some big moments of need. Um, I'll I'll point out the the header against Villarreal away. Obviously the penalty. Um, cloud final attendant. Exactly, yeah. The winner in their last minute against Historic for our first point in the conference style. Yeah. Um, and from there... Have you worked him out yet? Do you think he's going to be a, a player who will score 
20 to 30 goals at this level and move on up the leagues. How old is he? Is he 20, 21? Do, do you think he's going to he's gonna have a season at this level where it, it really clicks properly and he'll, he'll really hit the goal trail and move on up? Or do you think he's going to, not stagnate, that's the wrong word, but I don't know. There, there's something to me that kind of, it's, it's on the edge right now which direction he goes. And he is very young, so I've got the feeling that it isn't, it's likely that he will go up the leagues. But he was at Stevenage. He's dropped down. He spent time on loan at St Albans a couple of seasons ago when they were in the same division which we are now. He obviously had that goal-laden spell with us a couple of seasons ago as well, which got him that move to St Albans. But there's, there's something about him which I doubt. Or maybe, it's just, maybe he has to be playing in the right system because I don't think he's... I don't think his first touch is good enough to have the ball played into him regularly. I think he plays on the shoulder of the last man and uses his strength. And I think if he, if you're going to use him as a pivot, it's one-twos. It's not. He's not going to create chances. He's not going to slip balls through. He's going to knock a ball around the corner and then run. Yeah, no, thank you for um, putting it back there. I think Dippo definitely merits a bit of a chat. Uh, I thought he was absolutely brilliant when he came in on loan first time from Stevenage and I thought how lucky are we to have a guy like this who it seemed to me ought to be playing for Stevenage because he he just had this rawness this this I think he scored two hat-tricks in that period yeah yeah I, I, I would really like to go back and look at some of the goals from that time because he just he just felt like one of these guys that whenever he he had the ball played to him he was going to get a goal and you you know he's good in the air he has a immense finish on him when when he's in the right place. Um, and then when he came back on loan last season, was it? Started back as a loan again? And then did we get him permanently? Uh, I can't remember if it was last season or the season before. Um, but yeah, he's 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 come back to Dulwich, as it were. And it did feel like quite a natural fit if for whatever reason it hadn't worked out back at Stevenage. Um, and yeah, just since then... I don't really know what to make of him either. And I think you're absolutely right that he's still sitting on the crest of a potentially great career, a football league career. I think he's definitely good enough. Um, it just remains to be seen if, if Dulwich is, is the place and the system where he can really play to his strengths and his attributes and improve his game. Because he's obviously still in a position where there is room for improvement. Um any more thoughts? I mean, certainly one to keep an eye on, and probably the first choice striker. I think going forward, he has to be. Yeah, I think he's he's such as young, as young players often are, and partic- particularly young strikers, they are confidence players. Like if if that that goal against against Slough and and in general his performance would have done him the world of good. And I think maybe what he's struggled to do since that first spell with us is have a performance like that and then continue into the next game. Right, um, and I, and what I hope is that he manages to do that now from now on. Um, we've got a tough run of games coming up, so it's a big ask. But as you say, I think he is good enough. I think he's good enough to score goals regularly at this level. Yeah, yeah, he needs to find that level of confidence and consistency that he had in the first loan spell. And then you're right, it's just yeah, with a striker, it's just a... sorry about that. Some chairs moving next door. Sounds um, yeah, it really is a confidence game, isn't it? And um, yeah, well. We, we hope there are going to be a lot more goals scored with us this season. Um, and then uh, shortly after Diffo got that equaliser, uh, I think it was about 10 or 15 minutes afterwards, a ball broke to Niren Clunas in the box and uh, he swivelled instantly and half volleyed it into the bottom corner past uh, Slough's keeper Jack Turner. And um, what I loved about that finish is that it was a striker's finish. It was such a striker's finish. And... and Another thing I loved about it is it just showed how confident Niren is at this level already. He, he had a split second to think about that and he connected cleanly and buried it. Um, and it, it just it just it was just so good to see him doing that. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was I mean probably the moment of the season so far. Um, lovely little <clears throat> deft ball from Ash played to Niren just from the edge of the area. It's a nice build up play, including both slightly beforehand I should should add, but yeah, it was just that little ball from Ash that that Niren then just needed that one split second to turn and, and shoot. And yeah, it was all it needed with that finish. And 
Yeah, it did feel like a bit of a, a like a turning point for the season potentially because, as I said last week, I was I was frustrated that some of the luck hadn't gone our way, and it felt like we've been playing well enough to get the points. It just hadn't been happening. We've let ourselves down in the game subsequently, but this was a game where we fought for it. We had a bit of the rub of the green. Preston was exceptional, made some big saves that kept us in it. Slough also missed a few big chances, but it was a game that could have gone either way, and we just about deserved it, I think. And certainly the, the two goals were very, very well taken from, from our point of view. It's a very open game. Yeah. It, it was more open than I think than any, game, any game we've had so far, in that it was both totally agree. it was both teams attacking rather than even when Concord came to Imperial Fields, Concord Rangers. And they beat us one nil. That was still us on the front foot, and them sitting back and waiting for a chance to break. The same with East Thurrock. Um, it, it was definitely the most open game, just because Slough actually wanted to attack, and they got men forward, and they 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 played some nice footballs. They got towards the final third. Um, so to come out on top in that kind of game was particularly pleasing. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, three points that, that felt massive, and. What was funny actually is just coming back uh, on the train together and checking the league table, realizing that we hadn't actually moved up any places. More was a fool us, but it did. It does feel a lot bigger than that, and it's about keeping above the relegation zone at the moment because we don't want to drop into that. And you know, now it's a case of whenever we pick up the next points, we probably are going to rise up the table a little bit more. And it's very early days. So we're, we're um, seven games in, on seven points. Teams below us, uh, there's East Thurrock, who we beat 2-1. There's Truro, who we've yet to play. And there's Hungerford, who we've yet to play. Western Supermare are out now, then, are they? Sorry, it's Western Supermare, not Hungerford. Okay. But the Hungerford are there and thereabouts, aren't they? Uh, I, think they're, they're, I think they're only slightly above us. But what is interesting is that the bottom three, they are already, I think, four points adrift of us. So there's a bit of no man's land in between us, where there's already a gap. Yeah. So if we'd have drawn that game against Slough, we'd have been marooned on five points and kind of in that limbo. But now we are, you know, we're at the bottom of that pack that's above relegation zone. Yeah, I also noticed too that the the top eight or so includes the likes of Chelmsford, Bath and Welling, I think. We've all played. We picked up one point in those three games, which at this stage isn't looking like a bad point. So, you know, the... The league table is in is in its early stages of formation. You can't read too much into it, but I don't know. I think it would have been very demoralising to lose this game. We come out of it with some confidence for the players, for the system, for the fact we've got players coming back. Um, Nathan Green came on towards the end. Hope to have him fit. It's even more vital now after what we're hearing from Gavin that that Tanache is 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 injured again. Um, but yeah, it, it it does give us a bit of a um, confidence boost. I wanted to talk about the goalkeepers in this game. Quickly. I'm looking forward to this chat. Wanted, I want to as well. Wanted to have a little chat about this. But for my money, I don't think I've seen two better keepers in a game for quite a good some time at any level of football. And there, it's just very interesting to me that that you have guys who are clearly very very good keepers. Why, why aren't they playing a little bit higher up? Because Jack Turner was kind of the first one to stand out for me in this game. He's, he's played against us before for Staines, I believe, was a comment a number of fans were making. But he, he controls his box incredibly well. He's a good shot stopper. He made some good saves in this game. But the, the, main, the main point of interest for him is his distribution. He's such a good kicker of the ball, as not like silly a comment as that sounds. But... He knows exactly where he wants to put it, and he can get it there every time. Um, it's like it's Jordan Pickford-esque, I was, I was saying to you earlier. And then on the other hand, you have Preston, who made some brilliant saves in this game, really kept us in it. I wouldn't say his distribution is quite at that level, but it's not far off. And I don't know, it just strikes me as, as an interesting one. As a keeper, what do you do to get recognised, and how do you get that move slightly further up the league? Yeah, well... It's a really, really good point, and it's one that I was thinking during the game as well. Stood behind Jack Turner for ninety minutes because he he played for, against Staines. I'm sorry, he played against us for Staines over the past couple of years, and 
I remember him being quality at Staines. And I remember a game at Champion Hill. I think Staines might have actually beaten us 1-0 early in the season at some point. And he pulled off, no word of a lie, six to eight of the best saves I've ever seen at Champion Hill. It was a classic Dulwich um, performance in many ways where we were on top, not really creating much. Um, sorry, we were on top creating a lot, but not getting any luck. Um, and the keeper had an incredible game. And he made one save in particular, which I will never forget, where he was over one side of the goal and somebody headed it down into the bottom corner. He scampered across the goal and tipped it onto the crossbar and then the defender headed it away. And I remember five or six of us behind the goal just laughing because we couldn't believe it. And then, as you say, his performance on, on Bank Holiday Monday was so good, and in particular his distribution. The technique that he uses to connect with the ball like, it's, it, as you say, it's Jordan Pickford-esque. It, it reminds me a bit of um, just any centre midfielder who plays those kind of raking passes so that come straight off the laces like yeah. arrows. Yeah, they, they are raking, aren't they? And they come, they come to his... They arrive at his teammate at exactly the way they would want them to and in completely the way that the opposition player, our player in this case, wouldn't want it because... Well, it's, it's, it's really funny you say that because the opposition player, I, our player who was on the receiving end of most of those balls was our fill-in right-back, Cookie, uh, who was having to go up for a hell of a lot of headers. I think they were probably targeting him because he's a right-winger by trade, filling in at right-back. So Jack was targeting him, picking out the, the Slough Town left midfielder. And uh, Cookie, have you seen Cookie's tweet? What did he say? He, tweet, he tweeted Jack Turner uh, earlier today saying... Uh, Thanks for having uh, perfect um, accuracy and pace on your distribution on Monday. Uh, something that I've gone up for so many headers, I'm having to sleep with a, like a travel <laughs> sleep, sleeping cushion. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. Like I, I was getting a crick in my neck just just following those balls with my eyes. Um, no, yeah, but yeah, in terms of to go back to you, I've kind of gone along with the way of replying to your question about how good you have to be to, to be a keeper in the league above. I have no idea. And this is something which, because to me, it's it's mind blowing that anyone can get better than that. And yet, you know, we're in the conference. Yeah, out. yeah. We're not even in League, league Two or, or League One. Yeah. So you know, is it is it because neither of these keepers are much bigger than six foot? Are they going to have to have a bigger arm span? You know, is it as a lot of the time is it is with players at this level? Is it mostly mental, um, or is it just luck? Yeah. Well, if or, I if, or all three. If I was a football league scout at that game, I would have both of those keepers in for trial because I can guarantee that they have better attributes than what some League Two clubs currently have in their their setup. You're right. I I can't see how you could be any better than than they are. And I think it's just interesting to me because a goalkeeper is someone who has so many opportunities to show what they're good at. Like, all you have to do is save shots and kick the ball. <laughs> and they did that bloody well. Catch corners. Catch corners. Press them, that might be a slight weakness, but I mean, fortunately, the Gloucester game seems to be a one-off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I if you're, if you're listening and you'd like to weigh in on this debate, we'd love to hear from you because um, it fascinates me. Yeah, tweet us or reply to our, our post on Facebook. Uh, what the hell do you have to do to play higher uh, as a goalkeeper than Jack Turner and Preston Edwards? What is it that's going to make you make the grade at a higher level? Uh, we would love to know. Uh, are there any more thoughts on that slough game, Hugo? Um, let's check the old notes. Um, no, I don't know. It was just Bloody good to get a win. Yeah, it was such a relief. Yeah. Um, in that case, we have uh, we've gone on f- forever as always. Oh yeah. There's just a few bits of uh, AOB. Any other business which I'd like us to cover? I think you might have a few bits as well. Yeah. My first one is um, after Michael Kamara signing, as we mentioned, uh, has been facilitated by the Dulwich Hamlet Twelve Man Fund, which is. Um, Fan donations to a fund which is spent solely on um, signing players or uh, paying players' wages um, of the players who are signed. Um, And so this week, uh, it kind of prompted me to get in touch with uh, Neil Cole and Sean Dooley, 
who are the Dulwich Hamlet 12th man, just to ask them for a rundown of all the players that they have helped to bring to the club over the years. Great idea. We okay. should add too that they have been on the podcast in yeah. the past. We interviewed them a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, great interview, great guys, and what they've done for the club by setting this up and maintaining it is um, essential, especially in our current situation. Totally agree. Um, and, the, and the list is some list. So, here we go. Danny Carr, the first time when we signed him from Reading. Um, Matthew Boyer, the particular favourite of Hugo's. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I once interviewed uh, Mathieu about his days when he was working at the Lyon Academy. Um, he's got some fascinating stories from, from that time, being in charge of players like Lacazette, Bensema, Tolisso, just fantastic crop of French players, and um, yeah, a lovely, lovely bloke to, to boot. Lovely anecdote, though. Uh, next up is Chico Ramos, who played a huge role in getting the club up from Division 1 South into the Eastern Premier League. Yep. And there's an injury to the first choice keeper at the time. Connor French. Oh, Frenchy. You're not going to get a hench, you get Frenched. Uh, Jake Rose, Abdul Mansare, Yannick Nlate, Tommy Kavanagh, who was shit for us. Uh, Nathaniel Pinney, Tom Derry. The... Any anecdotes? Uh, yeah, went went to the same school as me. Uh, also interviewed him for the podcast. Um, you can dig that one out if you want. I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, there are better ones than that. Next up is Lauren Hamichi, who will forever be in my heart for the last minute winner at home to Margate in 2015. Yeah, just an absolute brilliant Dulwich moment at Champion Hill. Marlon Patterson. Fraser Shaw, who uh, would go on to play for Leighton Orient in League 2 for a season. Uh, and actually returned to the club briefly last season. Yeah, and actually played against us for Concord, I think, yeah, a few weeks ago. Bagasan Graham. Bagasan Graham. Uh, I've got quite into the habit of calling Jack Bagnall Bagasan Graham, actually. Uh, Serge Makofo. Oh, yeah. Ex Grimsby. Yeah. Scored, he's... scored on his debut, haven't you? Yeah. And he's called at Berry Town. Yeah. Uh, Joe Benjamin. Oh, the tank. The tank. Reese Morel Williamson, who went through a period of looking like the best player on the planet and then didn't really do much else and left us and had an incredible season last season with St Albans in the Conference South and is now at Hampton Richmond Borough, who we play on Saturday. So he'll be returning. Um, Callum Willock, The Truth, ex-Peterborough. That might be when you were in New York. Yeah, he, I think he, like I did, that name rings a bell. He scored away at Merston where he was running onto the end of a cross and he fell over. Oh, yeah, no, I wasn't there. But it hit the back yeah, of his yeah, head yeah, when yeah, he was yeah, on the yeah, floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan Moss. Yeah. He's got a hitch to be. Um, his job it is quite weird. <laughs> Ryan Moss, Martin. Um, Dean Lodge, the brief comeback. Too brief. <laughs> Way too brief. Um, Phil Wilson. His final season comeback when he came back for a glorious return. And we're actually going to be playing against him in the League Cup. Or the, sorry, 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 the London Senior Cup. Because he's now at Glebe United. Yeah. Glebe. Glebe. Just Glebe. Glebe. Right? Playing under Anwar Adin. Yeah, the um, former Dagenham and Redbridge captain. Yeah. Um, Mohamed Mohamed. So good they named him, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, Michael Kamara. Hell of a list, that. Yeah. Um, I mean, some hits and misses, it's fair to say, but the fact that we had something to say about each one just sort of says how important it's been. Um, and I think, yeah, the ones that really stand out, Boyer, Ramos, um, in the early era of, of the... Kind of French. just for the... Yeah. Just for the ridiculous tweets. Um, yeah, well, there you go. Dutch Hammond, 12th man. Um, they are are they they are still collecting, aren't they, at the grounds on match days? Yeah. Um, so if you come into the ground at Imperial Fields uh, and you see a, a bucket in which to put some change and you do have some on you, please do. Uh, the club needs it now more than ever. Um, a couple more things just to mention. Uh, this Saturday, the Dutch Hammond supporters team are playing... Um, 
let's call it behind closed doors friendly uh, and inter squad friendly at Goals Wimbledon. Uh, we were originally going to be playing Hampton and Richard Borough supporters. However, they have been pretty much incommunicado. So Rab Anand of Dulwich Hamlet's secretary fame has been great and taken it uh, into his responsibility to organise a maybe five, six, seven or eight side kick around on Saturday morning at Goals Wimbledon at 11 o'clock. If you are interested in doing that, then please either DM Rav on Twitter. He's Ravit Anand or get in touch with us on any social media and we can add you to the WhatsApp group and you can come along and have a bit of a kick around. Uh, it should be good fun. Um, the only other thing from me, if, Hugo, if you want to take that top one because you were quite keen on that. The only other thing from me is that uh, Glenn Tamplin sacked Harry Wheeler by text, 10 minutes from the end of Bidiraki's recent defeat against Chippenham, which is hilarious. But also, uh, you also do feel very sorry for long-standing Bidiraki fans because the circus continues to roll into town. Yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen next there. Um, it never ceases to amaze me that the, the next piece of goss that we hear coming out of Bidiraki. But you're right, it, it is a shame for their for their long-standing supporters because um yeah they don't deserve to be treated like this and um yeah well ridiculous yeah um no i was just going to mention that um byron lawrence who was one of the players who um i've excited most during pre-season just because of his uh his reputation and his clear um skill set that he has um exciting player has uh has unfortunately left the club he seems to be part of this this set of new signings that hasn't really clicked, and he um, he was released last week. Um, him citing the commute from Cambridge being one of the main reasons. Um, some scepticism around that. Um, Went straight back to Leiston. Yeah. So <clears throat> you wonder if his heart was really in this move, and if he had the the drive to um, to get with the, the the way of football that, that Gavin was asking for from him, um, but yeah, just just a bit of a shame, and um, maybe we never saw the best of him. But um, that's that's one on the departures list. Anything else from you, Ben? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, the only thing left to say is uh, remember we are across all social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Ford the Hamlet or Ford Hamlet. I can't remember which one's which. Uh, probably should do by now. Click that follow button and we will be back soon. Hugo, goodbye. See you later then. Cheers. Bye, listeners. Bye-bye. It would be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Flattering.